All right, we're live. At least I think so. I gotta test my uh, sound quality here. We're going live again, not just recording. We're, we're yeah, we're doing both. Well, yeah, but I meant yeah. Okay, man, this game. I gotta turn this game down. There, that should help. And then make sure. Why is the Zoom window? There we go. There we go. All right. Situated here. Welcome to any and all who are going to join us, if anyone. <laughs> Thankfully, I think I got the audio situated where it's going to work the way it's supposed to. And hopefully you can hear me online. Test it one more time. All right. Oh, this makes uh, I think I figured out what that hiss is. It's my air conditioning unit, which has to run. Um, It, uh, it has to run in order, it's like 90 degrees out right now or 88 degrees. And so if I don't let it uh, do its thing, then I will be unable to sleep due to the heat. <laughs> so It'll be better down in Texas though. So. <laughs> well, it'll definitely be hot, but hopefully I won't have to set up right next to my air conditioning unit like I do here. <laughs> so anyway. How was your day? It was good. Stayed up late last night, though. This Dauntless was over, so I was pretty tired all day. Playing zombies? Did that for a little bit, and we watched a movie. What movie did you watch? The Man from Uncle. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Yeah, it's fun. Draw. What are you smoking? An El Burro Corojo. It's one of the cheaper cigars you can get on Bravada. And normally they've been very consistent and good for me. And the last two that I've had have had knots in them that just make hmm. the tight draw very, very upsetting. <laughs> Emotionally damaging. <laughs> uh, I got. I'll give you the name of this episode Emotional Damage. Emotional Damage. Emotional damage. <laughs> um, I got all four of the uh, the first four podcasts uploaded on, so they mm -hmm. should be on Spotify. They should be on Apple Podcasts, and they should be on YouTube here. So the quality isn't as good. I, I mean, some of the audio quality is not as good, but you know, I think we're making it better, and we'll keep improving as uh, we're able to. Um, but at least they're up, and uh, I got. You see the thumbnails that I made. Yeah, I really like that. It's a starting point. I was thinking. Yeah, it's a, it's a good starting might, point. It looks clean. You might actually be able to get a graphic designer at some point to do some sort of, uh, some sort of combination of. Like the like a a lion or whatever on one side, and then like a stallion on the other, and kind of do like a combo thing. Like that might be kind of sick. Oh yeah, that'd be very cool. And then we'll have Adam in the middle naming both of them. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be called Lion. Are you um? Are you gonna go back and? Am I or am I gonna go back and what? You cut out. You cut out. I asked if you were going to go back and listen to the episodes or if you had already done that. Oh, no, I'm not. I don't usually just because I don't. I, there's enough other stuff that I'm trying to get through. Um, sometimes I'll go back and watch bits and pieces of different podcasts, you know, of like, you know, Stratego's podcasts and whatever. Um, and I might like in a while, in a little bit or whatever, go back and listen to it. But I'm not planning on doing that as a function of regular operations. Okay. So, 
Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, let's see here. Well, I don't want to talk about TV show yet. Um, so any, any interesting or good content you consumed the last, uh, little bit. Oh, I forgot my book. Uh, I can, I, I don't think I need it. Okay. Any interesting content you've, uh, perused the last week? Um, <clears throat> listen to quite a bit of Jocko Willing. Which, uh, which that- podcasts? Uh, I, I listened to his ones on, on Rogan, uh, which I think I mentioned. I, I think I listened to both of them. Yeah, I did listen to both of them. And, and I started to listen to his first one with Jordan, but I didn't finish it. Um, and then I listened to part, I listened to also the beginning of, of, uh, his with Theo, Theo Vaughn. I don't know if you know <laughs> who he is, but yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, I think Theo's he's funny, but he's kind of an idiot. So <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um <laughs> why did you not finish the uh, Jordan one? No, because uh, you you said you made it sound like it wasn't worth finishing. <laughs> no, I listened to most of it. Uh I just hadn't I just it wasn't as like intriguing and I kind of knew I'd also like all the a lot of them, the concepts that they were going over, I had heard multiple times at that point because I yeah. also re-listened to Jordan's. I, I I listened to a couple of Jordan's podcasts as well, not his, but him on Joe's uh, podcast, um, and then I think I listened to him and Ben Shapiro as well, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. But but anyway, gotcha. so what about you? I, all right, let's see here. So, I didn't watch too much interesting stuff or listen. Well, I didn't listen. I listened to some interesting. So, that's not strictly true. I was trying to remember <laughs> what, I, uh, what I went through. So, over the weekend, I listened to, I caught up on Tim Dillon because I follow, I'm his, I'm a patron member. And so, I listened to his patreon episodes and his youtube episodes so i listened to that which i don't know if that counts as like good content it was enjoyable content (laughs) um and uh his conclusion on the shooting in texas etc was uh at the end of his podcast when they talked about it his conclusion was that um his advice to parents was to stop caring about their kids as much so i thought that was sage advice (laughs) (laughs) um and uh and then i also then listened to two and a half or so episodes of the my first million podcast because i'm way behind i'm getting caught up and that was actually really awesome because one of the things that one of the conversations i'm having with with someone is about the idea of starting a an operator's and owners connection either community or job board or something to try and connect operators generalists uh, as opposed to someone who's like particularly good at one thing a generalist who's good at multiple things etc connect them with jobs in the marketplace and whatnot and just try to how to navigate that because there's a lot of generalists out there that don't know how to communicate their skill set don't know how to say like look i'm just good at what i do like i don't know why or how i'm good at it i just am and how to communicate a very diverse background in a way that is effective in conversations with someone that is, you know, might be looking to hire someone who's a, you know, an all-star operator. So anyway, in the, one of the podcasts, the one, uh, well, one of the ones, uh, the one I listened to with Andrew Wilkinson, because they've got at least two, if not more with him. Uh, he's a, he's the owner of tiny and it's a billion dollar or almost, if not at a billion dollars, uh, basically private equity holding company. So they buy businesses and hold them and improve them for cash flow. And he's got a, a bunch of other stuff going on, but that's the main one. And he basically, he actually started talking about this concept of finding like the right operator. And one of the things 
that I noted about it was they were they were they were having this conversation about how do you define someone who's like that's the person I want to hire or that's somebody who's going to be an all star regardless of what the, the the tactical context is whether it's a marketing company it's a crypto company it's a whatever right what is the like what are the things that you look for that you would identify as the not necessarily skill sets but indicators of like hey this is you know this is a good indicator. And so kind of what they came up with or, or, or noted was the first word that Andrew used was gumption, which I, I haven't heard the word gumption in a long time, but I thought that was like interesting. And then he followed it up with the sort of person that follows up and are you, are you the sort of person that follows up in 24 hours or not? Uh, or are you someone that they, you know, one example that Sean spoke about was he, you know, had this meeting with this guy you know, basically was gave him a list of things to do and whatnot, or they had this, I talk about this concept and they didn't hear from him for like three months. And then he finally like checked in with the guy and the guy was like, Oh, I was waiting for you to, you know, to like, let me know when you're ready or whatever. And he was like, you know, like, that's no, like you want the guy who's responding in 24 hours saying, Hey, here's the thing. Here's the list, here's the thoughts, et cetera. Uh, so, and then the sort of person that moves the ball forward, and I was thinking about that actually relative, specifically relative to my experience at uh, DMGS, because there were multiple times in the middle of, which for those that don't know, uh, DMGS, Danny Morgan Graduate School was like my first, not real job because I was working security before that, but first non-security related and certainly non-career uh, trajectory position that I had held um, other than, I guess, IT. Um, and events management. But anyway, it was my first quote unquote real job out of college and other than security. And I, in the, in the middle of that circumstance, there was like, we went through four different executive leadership changes. We were in the Washington Post, Post for sexual harassment allegations. And it was a very stressful, very crazy time. But I ended up being one of the key employees that kept the wheels on the wagon and eventually led to a, um, an acceptable and, you know, a good outcome. And in the middle of that, there were so many different aspects to the organization that I had to be responsible for moving the ball forward on, even in the midst of the leadership leaving, the leadership getting fired, new leadership coming in, wanting to change things. Like I had to figure out how to move the ball forward. For instance, we were building out this library or no, we were even like an even better example is we have this, um, we were operating in an office building and we had some classrooms set up of some sort, but basically I went to the board and I pitched a, a $1.1 million renovation of the space to modernize it a little bit and a couple of things like that. And the board approved it. And, but then I had to navigate that relationship and those improvements with at least two different, um, with at least two different leadership teams in place. And so I had to keep figure out how to keep moving that situation forward and that project forward in the midst of a very dynamic and changing environment. Um, but anyway, uh, and then let's see. Uh, and, and so anyway, so like that's kind of, that's the basic answer of what they gave in terms of like the sort of person that they're looking for. But then I was actually thinking about it on the flip side because I've gotten or I don't know, gotten in trouble is maybe not the right word, but I've certainly run into struggles with people who don't like that, that sort of person. They don't like being around me because they don't like the elements of my personality that operate in that way. So maybe the guy doesn't want to feel like you're bothering him because you're following up every 10 seconds. Like, okay, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? Um, well, I say, what about this? You know, you can't just be asking a million dumb questions, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, maybe they would prefer if you only responded to them on Mondays instead of following up 24 hours later on a Wednesday when you had a meeting on a Tuesday or whatever. So I think it to me, it, well, I think it raises the question of whether or not those are the sorts of people that you want to be around. So if you're an operator, you're someone looking for a job. This is part of why it's so important to try and identify if that is the sort of person or people or culture that you want to be working with and in. 
because you're going to end up being just as unhappy, you know, working, not being able to succeed because the culture doesn't embrace your, you know, gumption, your follow up in 24 hours, your, you know, moving the ball forward as you would be if you were doing a job that didn't require those at all. So anyway, that's something I was thinking about uh, and listening to that was good content. And I listened to a couple other uh, of their podcasts, but that conversation in particular stood out to me. And well, and, and the other piece of it that they got into was Sam, you know, was like, you know, I get so much inbound and I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have to figure out who's legit and who's not. And I think the the main relevance of that, other than maybe being helpful in determining a platform or solution for operators and whatnot, the main kind of action point on that is emphasis on the importance of learning how to communicate quickly and succinctly who you are and what you're about to the people, the Sampars of the world. And that's when you have a very diverse background with a lot of different skill sets and a lot of different experience, that's very, very difficult to do. And I've certainly been struggling to do it. The best and the closest I've gotten was, uh, let me pull it up here. Find it. Um, There we go. The best and the closest I've got is in a response on Twitter to somebody who said they were looking for an operator and whatnot. Here's what I said. I'm definitely interested in learning more, exclamation mark. I'm an all-star PM, project manager, and ops strategist. I build systems and organization, excellent communication skills, et cetera. And then I said, here's some more info on my background and linked to my what I call my Thresume, which is my resume <laughs> um, in a thread format for Twitter. So uh, that's the closest I've got. It's still not excellent, and it's still not as good as I think it is necessary. Uh, but it, it it did work. I ended up, you know, I had to actually be met today, and I think we're at least we're going to kick off ten hours of um, consultative work. And I certainly have hope about the the relationship. I think there's a lot of potential, um, and so far it's going well. So anyway, um, and then the other thing that is the the content that stood out to me. I got to keep my uh, scarlet here. The other thing that stood out to me was the uh, video I sent you from Shelby Church on her Airbnb because it's actually very succinct and really well done. And it was also interesting to me because that's one of the first, if not the first video that I, at least certainly the only video I can re- recall where she changed up, which has nothing to do with the content. <laughs> Uh, or at least the the numbers and whatnot. But it has nothing to do. Uh, she changed up her shirt. Normally, she goes with this black and white aesthetic. And for the first time, she was wearing this blue like tank top or whatever it was, and I thought it was really interesting <laughs> because I've almost never seen, if ever, again seen Shelby wear something like that, especially in her videos, let alone even her vlogs. Um, I thought it was awesome. I was like, I thought it popped against the background. It was sharp. And I thought it was kind of interesting that she chose to do it with this Airbnb content. I don't know if she'll create different aesthetics for different content, which would be an interesting take. Um, But anyway, the content in itself was really superb, very clear. She communicates exactly how much money they spent on renovations, how much they spent on monthly maintenance, how much they're making per month, and then how much they expect that. Uh, to balance out against the, you know, I think they're about three full months or so of revenue now, how they expect to like have that impacted over a 12 month period and et cetera. So that was another video that I definitely thought was very, very good. Did you have a chance to listen to it yet? I did. Yeah. I listened to it today. And what did you think? Uh, I appreciated the breakdown. I, uh, I have a different look. I mean, I, I think a little bit differently in terms of how I would have spent all the money that they spent renovated. So yeah, part of which me, I think they do as well at this point. <laughs> yeah, part well, sort of, but I didn't get like a full, you know, wish we would have spent this differently at the end of the video. But well, it wasn't uh, part kinda, of that video. I'm just saying in general, I'm aware. Okay. Of that yeah, general. that makes sense. Yeah, because uh, I watched a couple of row built 
Rob Vilt's videos afterwards. I sort of looked at what he did and uh, it was, uh, he, I feel like he utilized his money much, much better than just investing it all in one property. And I also happen to know that he doesn't spend money on, he usually goes for turnkeys as opposed to spending a whole lot on renovating, which renovating and flipping is fine. Um, that's not really what they did, but, um, but, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was cool. They, uh, it's, uh, it was a good breakdown. It was good to learn all the, all the, uh, the different, uh, financial side of it. Well, that's a good distinction or dichotomy between someone who's experienced like Rob is it's Rob and his channel is row built. <laughs> But he's well, a great Rob example. Built. He calls it Robilt, but no, he calls it Rob Built. I'm pretty sure. I literally watched a video I, where he said it was Robilt, so maybe he flip flopped again. I don't. Know. I heard him <laughs> say Rob Built today, so maybe. Well, there, I'll maybe trust you because I haven't listened to the most recent ones. <laughs> um, they're on my uh, to watch regulars. Um, but, but he, he wasn't did. experienced when he got started. To be fair, well, like he he he, he kind of took a he took a bit of a a leap. And it ended up working out for him. Well, and he even says that himself. Like he was not sure that it was going to work, and he took out. Well, I'm saying how he allocates his money now. He also was doing a different sort of project than she was, Um, and he was. She's a YouTuber who decided to invest in this as another stream of income. He is a guy who basically made this his full time job. So that's what I'm saying is his perspective on allocation and even which properties he would go after uh versus the ones that she would go after etc um or or did go after initially they're actually but now they're working on a project together which is going to be a ground up build in joshua tree so it'll be interesting interesting to see how that develops like the contrast of their content i'm sure will be interesting as well they're both working they're collaborating yeah they're doing it together oh that's cool yeah that will be interesting yeah so, um, so yeah, it'll be cool to, it'll be cool to see that. Speaking of Sam Parr is, uh, he is building out marathon ranch, which is what he's calling. I think it's about a 20 acre parcel in Texas outside of Austin, uh, mm-hmm. that he's basically turning into an Airbnb. And he did a tweet saying like, you know, I have no experience in this and I'm specifically going to people who have done it before. And he tagged one person I didn't recognize, or at least I, I might've heard of him. Um, and then he tagged Shelby and Rob. So I was nice. like, yes, let's go. I know these people. Yeah. I thought about doing a consultation with Rob because he's uh, he's an ambassador for Airbnb. Um, yeah. And then maybe getting some or taking his class. But I don't know if I need to do that. But yeah, obviously, well, I would learn a lot. But in terms of like spending that money now to do that is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, well, did you see those screenshots I sent you? Um, yes. Yeah. 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 So like, and then another guy responded as well. who does the same thing. He said he'd also be happy to chat. So that's two free resources right off the bat. Totally. And if you build a meme account out or a content account out or a non-account out, then, um, then of course, uh, you know, you just build a following up and then you can contact him directly and connect directly and skip the course. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Can't tell if I'm getting bit by mosquitoes or not. I got about five or six bites at the river uh, for Memorial Day. Did That's you not uh, do you not have spray? I had spray, but like you're in and out of the water. My first bite happened within like three seconds of getting down to the freaking like getting literally getting out of the car. <laughs> Maybe I should just get them let a good bite in. I don't want to take a shower tonight, so I don't want to spray down. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah, I, and actually, I didn't even notice the other ones until when I was like got home and later in the, in the evening. So I don't really know when they happened or how. But anyway, um, it was such a nice day at the river. dude. It was so nice. Though so 12 hours in the sun. Today, I woke up with with a headache i was just totally out of it i got some good food and like you know rehydrated and everything but it was definitely like a a, a lot of time outdoors when you're especially when you're not normally doing 12 hours you know 
basically in the sun. <laughs> so, it's a long time. But I didn't put any sunscreen on, and I was in the sun the majority of, or at least 50%. No, it got to be more than that. Probably at least um, 80% of the time, 70, 80%. And I didn't sunburn at all. Like I got reddish or a little bit when I got back and at night, but no redness this morning. And um, I think it's because, so I think I've told you this before, but you can go and sit like if you get like blue light sun sunlight blue, uh, blue light from the sunrise uh in the morning it helps your body start to develop the melanin that it needs to not sunburn basically and it basically right. gets your body ready and so I, even though it was a little colder so i kept my tank on for most of the morning um and like throughout sunrise it was like an hour or two after sunrise that i actually took it off um and even at the beginning of sunrise it was cloudy or misty um, and I had my sweatshirt on, it still was enough to where I definitely got red, but in the evening, but I woke up this morning, no sunburn, totally fine. Um, and I was like, you know, call me a monkey's uncle, but I, <laughs> I think that that might be straight up like a great, really good test. So I'll, now I have to see if I can do it the rest of the summer, not get sunburned and have no sun lotion on. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, Deadwood, <laughs> are you going to check it out or are you going to skip it after I was like, eh, I'm going to skip it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think of, I don't want to pay for it if it's not, you know, worthy. Yeah. Season one was, I would say pretty decent and interesting and engaging. And then season two has not been as good. And then there's been a number of shifts in the characters that aren't being explained. <laughs> and don't really don't really add up with um with like actions and who they were supposedly in the past um so it's uh it's a little disconcerting <laughs> but i am curious like if season three is decent at all if season two is like kind of taking this middle route but um which is too bad because i thought season one was worth was probably worth it but um there was so there's since you're not going to watch it and spoilers to anyone who is like <laughs> i have to watch it uh so there's this one part where the well not even just this one part there's this one character i would i would probably refer to her as a main character she's a, a prostitute um which is like kind of a nice way of putting it almost for how yeah. <laughs> gnarly the conditions and situations and whatnot are or were um but at the beginning like the beginning literally opens with her shooting somebody who's like trying to beat her because he was drunk and accused her of stealing and then her owner like smacks her around for like you know shooting a customer or whatever even though she was in the right but then he like he's then he like gives her privilege and like she's kind of like with him a little bit or whatever as opposed to like the other more common ones so you know very odd i suppose you know it, extreme narcissism maybe on the part of the owner but um later in the story she's offered the chance to join a nice person nice lady um and go back to go back with this woman to new york and basically get out of this you know essential hellhole in a lot of ways um and she basically tries to commit suicide when that offer isn't initially made where she's like offered to just go by herself and she tries to commit suicide. And then that person realizes like, okay, this girl going to New York would by herself, like, you know, she'd be so out of place. That doesn't make sense. Like, Hey, you can come with me. I will leave as well. And the prostitute, her name is Trixie. Uh, instead of, following through she ends up taking this massive chunk of gold that this nice lady gave to her and was like there's more you can come with me etc um giving it to going back to the pimp and giving it to him and choosing to basically stay with him instead of stay with this woman who she'd been helping take care of and whatnot and in the one of the characters makes the comment it is something along the lines i'm paraphrasing something along the lines of it's such a strong pull go uh 
what you know, what you know, what you're used to is such a strong pull. And it was such a visceral example of that. Uh, returning to what you know is kind of like the way that they put it. Um, that was such a, a visceral example, but it kind of got me, you know, thinking again about how we're raising the question, like, what are the things in my life or things that I'm returning to or defaulting to because they're what I know versus maybe challenging myself creatively or in discipline or in whatever it may be. Um, now, of course, I think you can kind of get carried away with that, right? I think a lot of people kind of take that idea and like, you know, if you know something, therefore it must be wrong or bad or should be challenged. And it's like, I don't think you can apply that kind of like scythe to the entire wheat field. <laughs> um, yeah. But it still was thought provoking, and at least I, I maybe the best way to take it, other than like you know asking yourself, "Hey, how can I be challenged, et cetera, is maybe going back to the what sort of people are you going to be around and how are they receiving you, which is related to the first topic that I talked about. Um, I wonder if there's an element to it of how you use that as a metric to assess the people around you are they the sort of people that return to the feeding trough or are they the sort of people that they might you know hang around the homestead but they're going to go out into the field and actually you know eat green grass um so anyway uh, maybe that's a maybe that's a better frame of reference i don't know do you have any thoughts on that i don't think i do off the top of my head might have to think about it for a little bit okay speaking of frame of reference did you know that's i mean i knew this when i use it but i, I thought it was maybe uh, important to note it do you know that that's actually a reference to physics frame frame of reference yeah it's like a it's a technical term within physics uh no i don't think i did know that okay so the official definition is like super convoluted because of physics but i found like a, a simple kind of definition of it and i think this ties back to the mental frameworks discussion that we had a couple weeks ago so the definition uh an arbitrary set of axes with reference to which the position or motion of something is described or physical laws are formulated uh, and then the secondary a set of ideas conditions or assumptions that determine how something will be approached, perceived, or understood, a Marxian frame of reference. So the reason I liked, or I thought it was maybe helpful to specifically kind of return to the conversation a little bit, but maybe move it forward, is the term arbitrary, right? Because I think that perfectly depicts what we were talking about is relative to mental frameworks, your ability to navigate a situation is relative to frame of reference is a fundamentally arbitrary um, pursuit. And that's the whole point of reframing your mental perspective on something. And, you know, if you guys want to get further into that, you can go back and listen to that episode where we get further into some examples and whatnot of what that means or what that looks like. But I thought it was kind of maybe cool to call out. Yeah, totally. No, that's a good point. Um, so one of the other things that, that I was thinking about was the term probabilistic process. So one of the other books that I'm reading, which I haven't read from, at least I don't think I've read from, um, in the podcast yet, uh, it's called the drunkard's walk and it's basically on the mathematics of probabilities. And at the end, it ties into decision-making a little bit and the last chapter. And basically this term probabilistic process is taking what I was saying about the taking like a job application and you're only going to get a yes and like maybe one out of a hundred applications or even get a response back in one out of a hundred. Mm -hmm. The, um that in that 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 context is a probabilistic process 
In other words, if you send out 100 applications, one in 100 will should be a yes, probabilistic process. And the the author kind of you know doesn't break it down in that way. He breaks it down more in the idea of, you know, we put so much emphasis on our politicians and our leaders and our investment analysts and whatnot being right when in all likelihood, if you look at a 10, 20, 30, 50, or 100 year uh, you know, context, there just happened to be the person that was right because someone was bound to be right within that time period <laughs> and or yeah. someone was bound to get the right decision um, you know, multiple times in a row, which was just a mathematical probability. Now, you have to be careful because you can get can get sucked into determinism a little bit um which for those that don't know is the philosophy that nothing you do i mean in its most basic form nothing you do matters it's all determined and it cannot be altered uh, in other words there's no such thing as quote unquote free will and there's no you know you're basically just a, a robot a programmed robot within a programmed uh existence so I think that's where it maybe ties in better to the frame of reference and cognitive bias conversation than maybe maybe it does to a um, philosophy, you know, or a discussion because it's more about like how do you take the proper perspective and apply it, or how do you alter your perspective in such a way that it is helpful and productive um, versus what might not be. Again, going back to the arbitrary uh, solution, right? Well. Yeah, as opposed to using that as an excuse to make poor decisions or live however you want, regardless of consequence, you know, you can use that to improve the, you know, statistical probability that you'll make, continue to make correct choices and recognize consequences in the future and you'll get better at that over time. Yeah. And so one of the quotes that I came across in that book uh, was from uh, IBM, you know, do you know IBM? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So basically an an IBM pioneer who I, I, I probably heard of him, but it's not an active part of my um, education. Uh, His name was Thomas Watson. And he said, if you want to succeed, double the failure rate. <laughs> and I feel like if you put that in the context of that probabilistic process, um, that's a perfect example of a case in point where you're taking the initiative, right, to double your failure rate, right? You're taking the action that pertains to that. <laughs> right. Um, but you, based on, you know, probabilities and the outcome probabilistic process you're increasing your opportunity of succeeding yeah so i thought that was a good quote right and that's not it's not choosing to to fail or like trying to find a way to fail it's just you know it's increasing you know the the amount of opportunity that you have to fail yes yep exactly um yeah <laughs> i had a i had a thought but it ran away from me uh, oh well so one of the other things that i've been thinking about is the uh 80 20 principle are you do you know anything about the 80 20 principle have you heard of this concept before uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I know certain 80-20 principles, but I don't know if it's the same one you're thinking of. Though. So basically, it's 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 scientific term is the Pareto principle, and it states that for many outcomes, roughly 80% of consequences come from 20% of causes. So other names for the principle include 80-20, uh, the rule, the, the law of the vital few, or the principle of factor sparsity. And 
the the way that that can be applied obviously there's more ways than one but the way that that can be applied in um, your personal life is assessing what are instead of trying to change a hundred percent of your life which you know wouldn't we all like to improve a hundred percent in all areas is identifying the 20 percent of your life that you can improve which will have the most impact have the greatest outcome because that 20 percent will have an 80 percent an overall 80 percent impact on improvement so like i feel like an example in your life is the waking up early and managing your morning habits. And it's not as if you, you know, changed your job and you changed your, you know, dietary, you know, solution, your dietary, your diet. Um, you know, it's not as if you changed your friendships and you changed, you know, a hundred percent about everything. It's, you identified one, two, or three things to specifically alter and change, which are then having that an impact, an overall impact on 80% of your output and quality of existence. Yeah, totally. It's a good way of thinking about it. If there was like one thing in your life that you could just like alter in a for the for the better with like a snap of your fingers, like what would it be? One thing? Yeah. It's pretty, pretty large scale. Uh, Just relative to like, if you were gonna pick the one thing that equals 20% that would cause 80 to 100% outcome. And maybe there isn't something like that. It's like, maybe it's the, the biggest bug in your brain relative to how you're functioning in life and whatnot i'd probably this might sound silly but i'd probably actually choose to have to just snap my fingers and have my room organized and clean because i'm actually not very good at keeping it organized and clean and uh which jordan peterson would like has entered the chat and would like a word with you yeah well <laughs> <clears throat> Anyway, yeah, which uh, I guess maybe that's a weird thing to say, but because I have all of these, like, you wouldn't, like, you wouldn't probably wouldn't take a look at my room and assume that I'm someone that has a lot going on and <laughs> upstairs or other places in the, in the house, right? But uh, the metaphorical house, not the little house. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, th I think that would be, that would be one thing. And I mean, it's just something that I sort of let slide a while ago. And it's been something along with getting up early that I've been meaning to address. I just, I haven't recently yet. Mm -hmm. I haven't taken the time to do it. Um, and it wouldn't even take me that long. It'd probably take me 20 minutes. Uh, but that's, that's certainly one thing that, that jumps out of me, you know, jumps out of me right now without even thinking about it. That would have, would definitely have an impact on just organizing my time and the way I've structured my life. That makes me think about a concept that I actually started thinking of and coming up with today, though it's been a long time in uh, concerted effort of development. And the idea is that, this is not unique in any way, but the idea is that it is much easier, more fun and engaging to solve other people's problems than it is your own. And I've been thinking about this in a work context because I don't enjoy the behind the scenes nitty gritty pieces of like chosen candle, right? But if I was working right. for somebody who owned chosen candle and I needed to solve those things, I'd be all over it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think there's probably right. a, a balance between uh, disciplining yourself to discipline and then of you know pursuing a natural inclination because there's other people that really love that sort of thing and maybe they're more of an entrepreneurial type or whatever it is that maybe i technically am um 
But the, I feel like that's a perfect case in point where it's like at work, your job is to keep the proverbial room clean. And yeah, that's what happens. Um, right. And, but the 20 minutes it takes for me to do dishes or you to clean your room or whatever, it's like, it's huge pain. <laughs> it doesn't happen, you know, but yeah. once every, once a month or whatever the heck, <laughs> I do dishes a little more frequently, but you know, um, so yeah, it makes me, it makes me think of that. And I don't know why that is part of it as, as I was thinking about it today, I feel like part of it is probably related to it's easier to see other people's problems than our own. It's because we're not emotionally connected to it. There's just less, you know, there are fewer blinders on when you're looking out versus when you're looking in. And it also takes the personal aspect out of it, out of it, right? If I'm fixing your problem, I'm not emotionally connected to it. And it takes like almost the personal side of the situation out of it. Um, and then I think there's probably an element where it's easier to feel better about solving other people's problems because of how we feel we are perceived as someone who solves people's problems. And we feel like we, we feel that other people see us as people that are good to them and for them. And that makes us feel good in return. Um, right. And I, that's as far as I've gotten. There's, I mean, there's more reward, I think, because, I mean, well, I mean, taking work as an example, I, I try to find all the problems that I can solve. I actually, I actively look for problems so that I'm proactively solving them so that I <clears throat> can bring them to, you know, my employers and be like, this is what I did. Um, here's the solution. This will make your lives easier. This will make the business run better, et cetera. Uh, and I mean, there's a, there's reward in that because that solidifies my position. It solidifies my reputation and character in their mind and in future employers' minds. Right. Mm -hmm. But I guess when it comes to personally doing those things, there isn't, it's not like you're, I mean, even when you're a little kid and you're told to clean your room, right. There's a certain, there's like a reward of your parents being happy with you, but that's not as uh that overall that's I, I wonder how without having thought about it you know like I don't know how those two things would relate um to when you then become independent right but you're not you don't actively seek that reward when you're a little kid at least not as much you don't think about it in those terms but personally yeah there is no I guess the you have to I guess maybe it's harder to reward yourself than it is to be you know rewarded by someone else yeah. It begs the question of, do you need to generate a frame of reference or engender a frame of reference relative to how you are looking at the things like that in your life or like those sorts of things in your life? Do you need to change your frame of reference to identify or draw out Cleaning my room equals X, you know, um, reward. And then I feel like there's certainly other things where, you know, it doesn't make sense to clean your room every day. Maybe it makes sense to clean it every other day or, you know, whatever. Sure. Again, yeah. maybe trying to figure out the balance of the 80-20 as it pertains to that uh, situation. But I was actually thinking about it relative to kids and the, as well or childhood and the, the, uh, the example that came to mind was doing dishes, mm -hmm. right? Because growing up as a kid, like how much fun and easy was it to clean dishes at someone else's house versus having to do them at your own. Right. Even if it was the same group of people, you know, the same group of kids, if you were at their house, you were happy to do it. If they're at your house, you're like, eh, do we have to do the dishes? And, yeah. you know, which it, I feel like that, I feel like to a certain extent that complicates the reward system because I don't really know that maybe that's where, that's well, why again, I identify you're doing the for, sense of perceived yeah, I, value from others versus yeah, totally. no one's going to look in my room, no one cares, which yeah. is not this exact same thing as reward. But it's well, you emotional. have that personal. 
yeah, you have that personal emotional connection to your parents, which is why it doesn't like which is why that reward, right? It doesn't impact you as a child. Whereas when you're at someone else's house, you know, if you're conscious of it, right, right, and which is an interesting way because even because how your parents raise you and taught you is also going to affect how you act at someone else's house. But if you are right in this particular example, you are more willing to do that because you do value that reputation and that character that other people will apply to you and that gratefulness. Right. But it doesn't mean as much coming from your, like your parents or your siblings or whoever else. Right. Yeah. So I I don't know what the difference is in, you know, in that frame of reference for that reward system that you're personally applying to yourself as a little kid. And then also as an adult, I don't know how that, It's yeah. an interesting thing to think about, though. Yeah. I wonder if, to a certain extent, from a parenting parenting perspective, that also, or even a self-governance perspective, that lends credence to the necessity of, like, having your kid, or maybe if it applies to you, you choosing to go out and do things for other people. So like, mm-hmm. go, go play sports, right? Go do something hard. It's with other people in that context. But within that context, you're developing this, you know, I can and do do things that are hard or difficult or whatever. Thus alleviating the pain point of when you come home and you have to clean your room. It's still not as default easy as playing sports or whatever, but it helps create a okay if i can do that i can also do this right i actually do have the ability Mm. to right well i think it's it's maybe a value hierarchy it's you know in terms of like what reward it is because you know parents do provide artificial rewards for completing tasks and then you're more than willing to do that but you're not you're doing it for that reward which is uh which isn't and it's not inherent to the circumstance though it's applied from an external source so yeah well and i mean you also like as a on the parent side of things you have to be careful about always training your child to think that there's a reward simply an immediate and exaggerated reward piece of candy or whatever for having done that hard work right because in real life which again, there's a balance when you're training a kid, a kid should be able to enjoy their life. <laughs> but in yeah. real life, you know, it's cleaning your room isn't going to get you a piece of candy. You know, it might help the bug in your brain about it, but that's the only um, immediate reward. Now there might be a developed or exponential reward because it might shape a, it might alleviate this bug in your brain, right? Cause instead of being thinking about it and having this caustic, um, corrosive element in your head it's no longer there but then mm-hmm. it's also maybe then helps so it frees up your brain a little bit but then it's also helping you in terms of having that frame of reference as it pertains to your bedroom maybe that same frame of reference then and that perspective and way of existing then helps you in you know other ways of action and and, and of your life which is you know obviously what jordan peter get, is getting at when he talks about it yeah. Um, well, it makes but, me think of uh, Dwayne and how he how he uh, trains and treats his horses, and how he's, he he says on multiple different occasions how other people will give them sugar or a treat or whatever, and yeah, the the sh- about how, sugary oats and whatnot, molasses. Yeah, oats. how he never does that because he wants the horse to know that no, that's this is your job, this is normal, and you know you're you know the horse is obviously treated well and taken care of etc but there's no external reward for the horse being a horse and doing what a horse should do yeah yeah well and even more specifically he talks about you know if in order to get your horse to in order to come go to your horse and get them to accept the bridle and whatever you always have to tempt them with a bucket of oats what are you going to do if one day they're in the pasture and you have to go get them 
right? Yeah. And you don't have any oats on you. You're just out camping or, you know, whatever, because he's a true wrangler, you know, he's like, if you don't have your oats, you're screwed. So if you train your horse to need those oats in order to come to you and work with you, you're setting yourself up for failure in the field. Yeah. And the horse doesn't respect you because. Yeah. Be, yeah it's not about the relationship. Just, it's about the right. outcome. Right. And there's almost that, you know, obviously as a little kid, you don't understand that, but like, not like there's a, you have to respect someone in, enough to expect them, you know, to do, you know, hard work or to do what's necessary without there being, uh, you know, without bribing them or et cetera. Right. There's, there's yeah. a, that relational respect that is another aspect that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Those are all the, I don't know about all, but <laughs> those are most of the big thoughts that I, uh, that I've been having lately. Good thoughts. It's a nice evening. It's finally starting to cool down. It's like 85 instead of 90. <laughs> 85. Yeah. It's cooking. It's probably in like the high sixties here, but it's a little cool as a breeze. I could use a soft uh, breeze right about now. Uh, the low tonight is 73, 71. Nice. I have that air conditioning on. Yeah. Well, and my air conditioner doesn't work that great. I guess I got those coils clean. So it's like just surviving at 73 inside. But then the problem is instead of maintaining 73, it's just blasting cold air at 73. So it's like still kind of cold. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like it literally is on the whole entire day. So it's basically going to be on nonstop for the next 24 hours, probably, um, before it finally, like, dips. But then uh, Thursday, we get a little bit of a thunderstorm, and then it's, like, 80s, low 80s the next week or so, which will be nice. Too warm. <clears throat> if this situation works out with this guy I'm talking to, I could uh, – I could have a job in a week or so or less. Man, man not yeah. less, but that's being too optimistic. But yeah. Well, some of the homes I've saved are still available. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we might we might be getting close, man. We might be getting close. I was um I took my uh um my remarkable pad uh to the to the to the river. And I journal a little bit. I don't journal that often, but every once in a while, it's good for me to write out my thoughts. And I was journaling about that, about the conversation today. And I was just saying, you know, I, you know, when I first, you know, entered into severance, I wasn't, I don't know if let go is the right perspective or the right terminology, because it wasn't like let go or fired. It was just like the business wasn't viable. And that's what I was hired yeah. to do. Um, right. So when I entered my severance period, I was like, okay, like I have an idea for what I want to target. I think I know what I need to be doing. And I got some conversations within, a, within the first week, I had a couple conversations going and I was like, oh, okay. But then those didn't pan out for various reasons. And, you know, maybe a month or so ago, I like, I hit, you know, kind of the bottom of the ocean. and I was just like mentally really bumping into the rocks <laughs> and wreckages down Right. And just feeling like, you know, for the, I think the first time in my life, I was like, you know, I feel beat. Um, I, I feel beat at the, at the game. And like, I felt down before and I've felt like I've lost battles before, but not like I was like, you know, I feel actually beat. Um, but, you know, God was gracious and, you know, I was able to reframe and reframe and reframe and, you know, work out of it. And, you know, and obviously I had people supporting me as well. Um, but a lot of, you know, I did a lot of the work myself and yeah. which part it's, a, which is a combination of patience and a combination of spending time doing things that are unrelated, like, you know, watching YouTube or whatever. And then mm -hmm. part specifically working on it and saying no, saying yes, saying no, saying yes, and navigating the conversation internally. Um, but then the last week or so, I've actually felt a little bit, 
I felt like I kind of like reached, you know, surface. I might not be an Olympic swimmer, but you know, my nose is above water. Um, yeah. And I was writing as like, maybe that's the point that I was supposed to get to before, you know, before, you know, something pans out. So, you know, of course I could be wrong. I don't need to be prepared for yeah. that. <laughs> I was going to ask, do you have your framework set up for mm-hmm. if it all, if it all just comes crashing down in a couple of days and you start from square one, you know? Yeah. My framework is I am beat and it's time to retire. Yeah. It's time to quit. Move to Mexico. <laughs> it's warm down there too. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but. I actually have something to work on tomorrow. So nice. And it was cool. We were messaging back and forth on Slack and he seemed kind of excited about some of the thoughts and like frames that I was, you know, frame of references, uh, and the, some of the content, whatever I was putting his way. So I was like, let's go. And it was just cool. Like this is a, this is a, a company and a, an industry, so to speak, that I have zero knowledge in zero but i'm like already catching the lingo having ideas being like okay we can do this we can structure that like i'm already 40 percent 40 percent in yeah and it took you know one and a half conversations i was like let's yeah. go like i can do this we can do this and it made me feel again like okay i haven't totally lost because like one of the concerns that i've had lately is like have i straight up just lost my ability to work and think because like i haven't been truly taxed possible <laughs> um in so long and so i was definitely like a concern of mine i was like maybe i you know maybe i used to be great but now i you know i'm not <laughs> um but going through that was just like starting to catch some positive friction and i was like let's go let's go uh, and i actually had a really I, I grabbed it wasn't coffee he grabbed a little bit of a breakfast and i just had some sort of iced drink um but with uh with a guy that i've met once before and it was a really great conversation and he's he's cool um he's like one of the people i'd be like if i wanted to be connected with someone in the world it'd be this guy and he works for people that i look up to a lot and that i am a big fan of and so um awesome and so it was a really good conversation and i he was like got a bunch of projects he's working on and i was i told him i was i, I said hey so here's the deal I'm trying to work on this model where I've got time. I don't care about payment or whatever. If you've got problems, then I would love to just work with you, work for you to try and solve them. So like, if you want to talk about your pain points, then I would love to see if I can be a part of solving them. And he had two off the rip. He's like, you know, if you want to think about these or whatever, and you know, if something comes of it, like we can totally, you know, make something happen, you know, monetarily. And I was like, ah, dude, I am all in. Let's do this. So today, I had two really cool conversations, uh, both of which I'm going to work for free for, <laughs> but, um, but still just, uh, though the second guy did reiterate paying me. Um, I just, I would just rather him give me a job and you know, get paid for a few hours of work. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll see what happens anyway. Very cool. Um, I did take a nap in the middle of the day cause I was so smashed up yesterday, which is funny. Yeah. I didn't expect to be, I just think, I had a really good breakfast and I didn't really eat much the rest of the day except for some like, you know, donuts and I had a ginger beer and whatever else, but like I didn't really eat too much the rest of the day. And so I think I just kind of got overall like under, under fueled, even though I was totally hydrated, I was drinking plenty of water and whatnot. Uh, Yeah. But anyway, uh, after the nap and then after the conversation um, or no, I had the second conversation and then I took the nap. (laughs) Um, and then this, uh, then the rest of the, the afternoon, I was working on getting the episodes all uploaded and rocking and rolling. So, and I've got two really cool, um, exciting Strategos podcasts Thursday and Friday that I'm recording. So it's actually like a pretty dynamic week. Awesome. Some exciting so. mental frames in your future. Mm-hmm. You have to change your handle to stayed born great <laughs> yeah yeah it's nice to uh have a sense of the horizon once more totally uh all right well any uh 
lingering thoughts or concepts you want to that are heavy on your heart? No, I, my soul has been laid bare. Nice. I got to get a shorter cigar. I spent too much time talking. I need to get a Robusto size and not my normal Toro size. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, folks, faithful listeners of the uh, podcast, if you're uh, listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, hit the follow button. Um, and I think there might be a way, I think on Apple Podcasts, you can give us a rating, which would be super cool. Um, and then you are on, <laughs> yeah, Hey, we'll take any rating as long as you, it's, uh, yeah, as, long this as, point. <laughs> as long as there is, uh, critical feedback that improve that uh, helps us improve. Um, uh, and then uh, if you're on YouTube, then, uh, you know, like, and subscribe and, uh, feel free to leave a comment down below on stuff you'd want us to cover topics you're interested in. Uh, it would be super cool if we could get some people joining us in the live, the, uh, the plan, unless it changes should be. Uh, every every Tuesday at give or take 8.15 p.m. Eastern. And you can uh, turn the alerts on uh, to for when we go live. And eventually I'll get better at like actually scheduling the live so you can um, actually see specifically when we're going live. But the last two weeks we've been consistent at 8.15 and I assume that'll continue unless something comes up. So anyway, I uh, hope you guys are having a blessed uh, evening or day or time in your life. And if you're not, then uh, leave a comment and we'll see if we can, uh, we can help you tackle it. All right. Take care.